0: Welcome to the Executive MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with John Grant and Carter Whitelow. John is a second year student in our Executive MBA class of 2023, and Carter is a first year student in our Executive MBA class of 2024. As you'll learn during this conversation, John and Carter knew each other uh, before Carter decided to apply to Darden. And in fact, John played an important role and Carter's decision to research the school. It's a really fun conversation about these guys' respective backgrounds, how they decided to pursue an MBA, their thoughts on the value of an MBA for policy professionals, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with John Grant and Carter Whitelove. John, Carter, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Mr. Twitty. Playing that beautiful music. <laughs> Executive MBA podcast.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: It's not every podcast guest that, that approaches me and says, you know what? We need to be on the podcast. The world needs to hear our story. John Grant, you were that person that came to me and said, I have an idea. Actually, you said I have ideas for, for podcasts.
2: I have a lot of ideas, Brett. Uh, but this one in particular like, immediately popped to mind.
0: All right. And we're going to get into this. The two of you have a connection that predates your time as Darden students. So we're going to spend some time talking about that. But first and foremost, I want to check in with you uh, to see how things are going. So, John, how is everything? How are you doing?
2: I'm good. You know, I'm almost in quarter eight. Um, You should really ask this question of Carter, how he's doing (laughs)
0: We're getting there. So (laughs) next person on my mind now, someone who is not in quarter eight of the executive MBA program is, in fact, in quarter one of the executive MBA program starting off. (laughs) Carter, how is everything going? How are you doing?
1: I'm blessed, Brett. Seriously, um, if I couldn't swim, I'd be drowning. But luckily, my parents put me in swim class when I was younger. I'm barely hanging on. But hey, it's quarter one and I've met so many amazing, amazing people through this process and already done some incredible things at the University of Virginia. So, man, overall, I cannot complain. Yeah,
0: quarter one is, uh, it's a a lot, but it gets easier. Uh, Certainly by quarter eight, where John, uh, you're taking electives, right, John? You're picking your classes at this point.
2: I am, I am. This is, I just took my, I'm about to take my final exam for the core curriculum, Marketing Two, and then it's all electives from here out.
1: All right, nice. Look, don't let me, hey, Brett, don't let me say that I'm drowning in a bad way. This is a great thing. Like, the reason why you come to Darden is to be challenged, right? Like, we want to come in and be challenged. I don't want to cakewalk. And this has been the most intellectually challenging, stimulating period in my life. Q1 has been a, a lift that I never thought I could do, but I did. And I'm so glad and grateful that you all chose me to do this thing. So, yeah, man. Can't wait to share the experience with everybody.
0: All right. Well, Carter, let's let's stay with you. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and your background.
1: Um, I'm Carter Tennyson-Whitelow. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I live here with my two beautiful daughters and I'm a lobbyist at Williams Mullen. And uh, I uh, did not uh, become a lobbyist 10 years ago. This is a, a new thing. I'm, I'm reasonably new. Uh, I started in payroll and finance. So Um, what a journey it's been so far, and I'm honestly living my dream. This is what I wanted to do. I told John before we even started with Darden, if I could win the lottery, the one thing I would do is go to Darden. So thank you, John, for allowing me to live my lottery dream. Like, they should have this at HGTV show, right? Like, this is my lottery dream life. But, you know, I got a Darden, uh, Darden trip out of it. So thank you, John.
0: Well, John, that's a, it's quite a setup. Uh, so tell us um, about you and your background. I think our listeners will start to put together the potential points of connection.
2: Well, uh, thanks so much, Brett. Um, so I, uh, I grew up out in the mountains in Virginia, in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, Carter and I have that in common. We both grew up out in the country. Um, and I've worked in public policy, advocacy, government relations for pretty much my entire career. Um, I have worked predominantly in the nonprofit sector, but actually right about when I started at Darden a year ago, I got a new job where I was doing government relations and we work with a lot of different, um, firms like Carter's around the country. And we happen to work with Carter's firm in Richmond. So that was how we got connected, uh, about a year ago. We've, we've been working together ever since. And I think, I think we're actually friends outside of, outside of work as well.
1: Yes, we are actually friends outside of work, John. I'm not going to even let Brett jump in there. Yes, we're friends outside of work. We sent pictures of each other's kids, so that counts. But yeah, like we, we are really, really cool, and Darden is that bond that just continues to you know, flourish between us.
0: Well, John, let's talk a little bit about, about your, you, know, how you decided to pursue an MBA. Because our listeners may be listening along, and I think there's a lot of assumptions about who does an MBA and their backgrounds professional interests and goals. And so how did you arrive to the point where you said, you know what, an MBA is the right next
2: step for me? Uh, It's a great question, Brett. And for me, it was like a lot of other people in the height of the pandemic, I was kind of reexamining my life and where I wanted to be and where I was and what I wanted to do. And I've always kind of had this itch of, maybe I should go to business school. Um, There's something about it that's always been intriguing. And uh, I talked with my wife about it, by the way, I live in Arlington with my wife and my son, who's six, um, about it. And she was like, well, you know, you've talked about this for a long time. Maybe you should do it. And so I, my uh, motivating factor was, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to take a big swing. And I'm only going to do this if I get into the right school. And, um, and for me, I was incredibly fortunate that um, I was admitted to Darden. And it's, uh, it's been a really fantastic experience for me. What about Darden
0: in particular resonated with you uh, when you were doing your research?
2: Well, the, the first thing, obviously, was um, the reputation of the university, the reputation of the school overall. Uh, to me personally, uh, the emphasis on the case method was the selling point. Um, and in fact, my other selling point was I talked to uh, a friend who had uh, just graduated from another university that I was considering. And, um, I was asking him about that program and he said, oh, it's great. And it's X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Everything about this is fantastic. And he's like, well, wait, where else did you apply? And I said, well, I applied to Darton." And he said, did you get in? I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, you definitely should go to Darton," <laughs> And, um, <laughs> uh, and, and that, you know, was really kind of what sealed it for
0: me. Yeah, that is, it's hard to deny a conversa- conversation <laughs> like that. Um. Now, Carter, you had mentioned that this was a dream that you had to to come to Darden, but talk to us a little bit about your interest just even in pursuing an MBA.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, I I should talk about my career journey. I started as a a temp in the payroll department at Williams Mullen, which is a mid-sized law firm in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I thought I was gonna do finance, ended up in payroll and I loved it. Um, As I grew at the company, I kind of added on more and more responsibility Um, from payroll to wellness, well-being, and I felt kind of lacking in a way. You know, you're in rooms with people that have JDs from very prestigious universities, and I had a great degree from Virginia Commonwealth University, but I I wanted something more. And, um, you know, coinciding with this kind of a mentor of mine is my uncle, Carlisle Whitelow, and he graduated from the Curry School of Education in 1969. And um, so we we went back and forth about MBAs. And I wasn't sure when I was going to take that next step. I knew I kind of wanted to do it. Um, so last year, I decided finally, I was ready to take that next step. I was ready in my life. The kids were kind of settled. And it was time to step up my game a little bit. And I applied and ex- was accepted to another school. I was, I was fine with that. And Me and John were in the halls and we're talking and he was like, "Uh, Carter, I hear you're going to get your business degree. And I told him where I was going to school. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. uh, But you should apply to Darden. And I was like, man, I'm not good enough for Darden. Darden, like, come on. That's the that's Harvard. That's Yale. Like, come on me. And he just said, here's Brett's email and i will never ever forget i sat in my bed reading my email and i was like man I, should i email brett like i'm not sure and just something told me carter trust yourself just believe in yourself send that email <clears throat> so i send the email get a response back instantly saying yeah let's let's have a conversation and it, you you'll never understand truly um what betting on yourself feels like when you, you take a chance on a dream and it happens. Uh, this is beyond my comprehension. Um, being at Darden means more as a person from Harrisonburg, Virginia, who has a legacy at UVA. This, this is beyond my comprehension. I'm so grateful. But yes, life led me to an MBA, But really life and friends led me to Darden. I'm grateful. And and Carter, we should, it's important to the story to tell
2: Brett and listeners where this conversation took place. We were walking around the halls of the general assembly building in Richmond Yes, And, and we, we had a really busy day. We were talking to agencies and legislators and we just had a little downtime and we were talking about this. And, um, you know, I was like, I emailed you Brett from, the state Capitol complex saying, Hey, you should talk to this guy. Actually, I looked it up in my email this morning. It was February 9th. I remember because the general assembly building was all decorated for, uh, for, uh, Valentine's day. And, um, you know, the rest Carter obviously did for himself.
1: Grateful. I'm grateful for February 9th. I might, I might get a sign behind me. I, I you can't see me audience. This is audio only, but I wish you could see me. Because I have an office decked out in Darden everywhere, man. I would put February 9th right up on my wall because seriously, that is a life-changing day for your boy.
0: Well, for our listeners, this also doesn't come through the podcast, but Carter is also the most Natalie attired of your podcast participants. Always, always. (laughs) Come on, Brett. But John, I'm sorry. (laughs) Next time. I mean, it's true. It's true. All right. So we set the stage a little bit. I I think the fact that y'all knew each other and had these conversations and to, to me, working in admissions and getting to know prospective students, it's amazing how many people, their interest in the program is shaped by either having a direct personal friend, acquaintance, coworker who's done the program, some sort of conversation along the way is like, oh, you should, you should talk to this person. And they find somebody who's ready and willing, like not only to say you should do this, but also to like, Hey, let me take, help you take this next step. You should talk to, talk to this person. Um, John, did that feel like, I mean, February you're in quarter three at that point of your, of your program, program, if I'm doing the math, right. Right. You're, you're still early in the program, mm-hmm. um, but obviously having, having a good experience to say, you know what Carter, I, you have this conversation.
2: Well, for me, Brett, you know, my favorite thing about Darden really truly is how much I've learned from my classmates. And, uh, you know, when you do the case method, there's a lot of conversation and there are a lot of people in an executive program that have a lot of experience across a lot of different sectors. It's been absolutely fascinating to, uh, learn a lot from people that are truly experts in their field. And Carter's obviously a gregarious, engaging person. And I thought to myself, man this guy has a perspective that other people would benefit from and and that's the starting block and obviously you know and i was thinking to myself honestly like it would be great if he was in my class right now and and that was really what um you know in my mind was the, the 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 kickoff well
0: let's talk about the adjustment as a as a first year student it's kind of where we started the conversation to a certain extent In the first year of the program, when you're taking the core curriculum, there's a learning curve there, particularly early on as you're encountering some of the subjects that that might be less familiar to some of our students, things like accounting, finance, decision analysis, global economies and markets. Those all happen in the early quarter. So, John, I'm going to come to you first because you're a little bit further along this journey. When you look back on your first year, what was that adjustment like for you?
2: Man, it was tough. Uh, for for me, at least, you know, the thing that I tell people about Darden is that, you know, they kind of throw you into the deep end um, and you got to figure out how to how to sink or swim. And uh, for me, I was incredibly fortunate that my learning team was just outstanding. We had a great mix of personalities. Um, and for those of us who may not be the most quantitatively oriented, um, incredibly beneficial that I had um, access to some people who uh, you know, were much more so. Um, so that really helps me a lot. But, um, you know, I've been out of school for a long time too. And and that was a big adjustment as well. And I had never been in, in school before when I was working and had a kid and a wife and all of that stuff. So, uh, I mean, it's a lot to take on. And you have to get really serious about your time management. And you have to uh, make sure that the people in your life that you know and love and care about know that they may not see as much of you as they used to, but um, that it's all uh, coming from a good place.
0: That whole getting back into school, like I think people, when I talk with folks, they are more oftentimes focused on the subject matter. I'm not necessarily thinking about just like having homework again and having to study for something and take a
2: test. Like those muscles, they've atrophied a little (sighs) bit, I expect. Yeah, it was uh it was a lot. I and I sat down and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I have to take exams. And uh, you know, that was that was an adjustment. But uh, the great news is that um the professors at Darton, especially in Q1, um, uh really do a great job of making sure people, you know, yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, they know that this is a new subject matter for many, if not most of you. But I believe they teach it in a way that that is accessible to most of us. Um, that that is attainable for most of us. It's a matter of, but you do have to buckle down and make sure that you you do it. And your
0: point about your learning team—I know y'all are very close—and we, you know, podcasts, we have been chasing this learning team episode for a while. It might <laughs> happen, listeners. Who knows? So Who knows? Know. Who knows? Uh, the degree of complexity of scheduling six potential <laughs> podcast uh, guests yes. at one time, yes. not the easiest thing, but I think it's so important for people to know it because we get this question all the time, like, will I have a team? And the answer is yes. And of course, that's a place for you to start. And some of those teams stay together the entire time. John, I think about your team. I mean, you're basically working with the same group of people
2: that you started with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It helps if one of them has a degree in math, which um, proved to be extremely beneficial to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: empathize as an English major. I would hope that, and, and just so our listeners know, we do try to give some consideration to the mix of academic backgrounds on the learning team. So hopefully there's there's a, a not just one, but maybe even a, a couple of teammates who are a little bit more quantitatively oriented either in terms of their academic background or, or professional career.
2: So, um, but, right. yeah. Every, Everyone is more quantitatively oriented than me, but uh, I made it through. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's the important thing to know, listeners at home. Um, if old John Grant can make it through some of these quant courses, you can too. That's an import, important to note. I mean, not
0: just around just, just you, but like, I think when you look in a class, you look at who all is there. I mean, you have a lot of difference in terms of academic background and familiarity with subject matter and all this kind of stuff. But people make it through right? And you find a way. And it's by asking for help and leveraging all these resources and taking advantage of this. And I, I think there's also, you got to remind yourself you're here because you don't know this stuff mm-hmm. and you're here to, here to learn it. I, I think sometimes people will worry that like, hey, that finance person seems to know everything about finance. How, do I, how come I don't know as much as that finance person? Right. You have to take that step back and say, well, this person's done this their whole career.
2: Of course. I mean, w- my class ranges from, we have a CFO of a pretty big company to me. And so we have a pretty wide range of experiences in terms of, you know, people's backgrounds and their, and their level of comfort with, um, uh, you know, uh, not only the quantitative stuff, but, you know, finance is a totally different world, um, and, uh, a new world for many of us. And so it's a, it's an experience.
0: All right, Carter. Now you are very much in, in the throes of, uh, quarter one moving into quarter two here. Um, that's early in the program. Uh, you're taking classes like decision analysis, global economies and markets. You got the professional advancement course running. Uh, you got accounting on the horizon as you move into quarter two. Um, mm-hmm. So how's it going? And you, it sounds like things are going going well for you based upon your earlier comments.
1: Yeah, everything is going great so far. I, I think it all started at LR1, which has been like a treat for me. Going to Charlottesville, being on grounds and getting to live that experience, um you know, was incredible. And you talk about like shared sacrifice, right? Like we all go into l r one with like ideals and then we get slammed. But the key there is is that you're in a group with some of the most intelligent, kind, intellectual people you'll ever run across. And everybody's on the same wavelength. Everybody's just trying to make it through. So that kind of shared sacrifice you have to make in LR1 just builds your relationships. And I would say that's been the biggest benefit so far for me. Um, And what I've taken away from LR1 and Q1 is the unbelievable relationships I've been able to build with some incredible people. John was talking about earlier, we made this decision. We were talking about Darden in the halls of the General Assembly. And that may be uh, an intimidating place for people to walk around and just be whatever may be intimidating. I was way more intimidated the first day in LR1 with the head of a global energy practice, with CFOs, with CEOs like sitting next to me. I was like, they're going to find me out, Brett. I'm getting found out. But then, then Brett Twitty posted a picture of uh, Andre 3000 and big boy up on the teleprompter saying, you know what, everything's going to be okay. And you know what, everything was okay. It, they have a science with this. So you listener out there, if you're interested in applying to University of Virginia, know that you were part of a science experiment because <laughs> they have to have some algorithm that puts these people together. I've <laughs> never, ever, ever met so many cool people that are all just like-minded and want to work with each other or passionate about each other's careers this is an unbelievable experience so yeah q1 going going great going great even though i'm slammed with work thank god for my learning team thank you Wakas. thank you anthony thank you charlie thank you joe for carrying me while i'm down (laughs) But it's been a great experience and wonderful people. You got Andre 3000 and Big Boy? I did. We, I did. we, I- we, had,
2: uh, we had some Charlotte Hornets deep cuts, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, now
0: our listeners are starting to put together my interests. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> This is supposed to
1: be a secret, guys. We're not supposed to let like, <laughs> another real Brett Twitty. <laughs> we well,
2: got well, a well, lot of right. applications talking about uh, their love, lifelong love of the Charlotte Hornets and Outcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, should note. Hopefully, one of your favorite albums is Aquimini. Still, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. It's a good one. It's, really it's good. a good one. So, um, all right. Well, Carter, it's great to hear. I mean, it's great to hear that. Obviously, LR one. That's a. I mean, it's a. Fantastic way to start the program. You got a week in Charlottesville. It is academically oriented, but I thought your class did a great job of like getting out there, having a having a big time in Charlottesville. I walked on the downtown mall every night, uh, you know, just to kind of enjoy the nice weather and the scene in Charlottesville. It took me about like an hour. To make a whole like loop because I kept <laughs> running into executive MBA students who were out on the downtown mall doing something. So as much as we're talking about school, it's worth noting that also seems to be the case that executive MBA students find some time to socialize.
1: Look, Brett, we are just following what our great teachers in the professional advancement course tell us we are networking <laughs> We're networking very hard after school is done. But seriously, this is that tells you what type of group we do have. You know, we can't wait to hang out with each other beyond class. Like I legitimately think about, you know, texting and calling my friends from the cohort beyond class. That's the kind of group we have. And that's the kind of culture That's the most important part. Right. Like there's there's places I'm not going to name names, but there's places that the culture is completely different from this. The, the degree is the same. You know, they're both elite. But I know that I'm going to get a family at the University of Virginia. This isn't a transactional relationship. This is a transformational relationship. So everybody goes into this program with that mindset and that shows it carries over. We can't wait to hang out with each other. We can't wait to learn with each other and learn from each other. So it's been great.
0: Well, John, I feel like your class is also like y'all really do seem to enjoy each other's company. Every time I see you for a residency, someone has planned something for you to go in and, and do uh, together as a group, which I, I just I, we talk so much sometimes on the podcast about time and all of this kind of stuff. But people take time for each other in this program, which I think is also important for people to know.
2: That's 100 percent true. And, uh, you know, we as a as a cohort have gotten pretty close, I think. um Part of it is you have to, right? You're you're seeing each other all the time. Uh, you had better make some friends, or it's going to be maybe not as much fun. But it helps when you have a bunch of great people in this program, and um, and we do spend a lot of time together. Shout out um, Courtney for planning a ton of events for us on on these um, OGR weekends, on ground residency weekends. That's some Darden terminology for you. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's been probably the most rewarding element of this experience so far has been making really deep and meaningful friendships with a lot of people that I would probably never encounter otherwise, uh, in my life that I would have, you know, no, no reason to encounter some of these folks. And then you realize how, how, how great they all are.
0: Well, John, I want to talk a little bit about time, because you mentioned you've got a family, you've got a six-year-old You also talked about you know, when you do this program, you have to have some c- tough conversations that you might not necessarily be able to be around uh, in, the, in the same way as you were before doing the program. Uh, so um, what does time management look like for you and your family during this this program experience?
2: Well, step one is I recommend having a truly fantastic spouse. Um, that, is, that is really important. Shout out to my wife, Stephanie. Um, I really couldn't do this without her um she's taken on a lot um but you know i've also leaned pretty heavily on my learning team as well on the on the academic side but um you know it is a demanding program the standard is the standard uh and and you hear that at darden sometimes right that it's like this is um this is what it is right you can't just expect to show up and get this it's always earned but uh you know the trade-off there is you have to spend a lot of time uh, away from your family uh, away from your loved ones, away from your friends outside of the program. Um and part of that is you have a lot of ground to cover in not quite 2 years. And um you know we pack a lot in there and uh the the you know the bad news is yeah, you're maybe probably a little busier than you'd like to be um on on most days. The good news is eventually you kind of fall into a rhythm and you start to figure it out more and um that the overall experience um is a transformative one and the more you lean into it the more you'll get out of it so um that's been my approach throughout this that you know my time here is temporary i mean i mentioned we're about to start my my um cohort's about to start section 8 right i remember being or, or quarter 8 i remember being in quarter 1 like it was yesterday and now we're like almost done which is uh, uh a little freaky to think about. So it does go really quickly. And um, so yes, you're gonna be busy. It's also temporary um, and you should try and get everything out of it you can. Well, Carter, uh,
0: time management, the approach is one of those things that oftentimes will evolve for students over the course of their time in the program. There's some trial and, and error, or maybe you try this and it didn't work, you go try that. What's it been like for you and your family navigating the early days of the program? Uh, What does that look like?
1: I mean, honestly, I I think we were talking about this before we started. I feel like Zach Morris. I'm sliding into class one minute before the bell rings everywhere. I mean, it has been a, a challenge, say the least. But I feel cool doing it, Brett. I really do. But seriously, this has been a test of my will when it comes to time management. And, you know, I'm in the business of politics, which means that we kind of have to be there when duty calls. We've got events on the weekends, we've got events at night, we've got events during the day. So it's a challenge anyway. Um, But being able to block off time for Darden and be willing to say, hey, this is my Darden time. I'm taking time for me and for my development has been great. You know, this has been a very useful exercise for me to kind of set boundaries. Um, and that kind of gets lost sometimes in life, but Darden is helping me set boundaries and, and take some time for myself. Now, has it been smooth sailing every single day? No, but overall it's, it's getting better each day. Um, and I'd set a Darden hour every single night Friends of the Executive MBA podcast, where I just sat one hour and say, you know, I'm gonna read a case tonight, or I'm gonna work on DA, I'm gonna practice my Excel skills, I'm gonna look at my resume a little bit, maybe tweak that. But every night I get in a, a, a little rhythm. And now it's not even work anymore. This is just something I'm doing to to better myself and make myself better. I don't think about schoolwork now. This is just sharpening my sword. So I'll in two years, I'll be a knight with a uh, uh, MBA from the Darden School of Business.
0: One of the conversations that we've I've really enjoyed having over the past I want to say almost four years is we've been doing this running event about the value of an MBA for policy professionals, and I have really enjoyed this because we are a program that draws heavily from the DC metro area. About a third, typically about two thirds of our students will be from within about sixty miles or so of our location in Roslyn. Many people work in and around the political process, work in the policy world. And as I've talked with folks, an MBA is sometimes a different choice in in that world, right? There's a Mm -hmm. lot of lawyers. There's a lot of masters of public policy. An MBA, huh? So, John, why an MBA in your your estimation? What's the value of an MBA for a policy professional?
2: Well, for me, at least, uh, Darden has given me... A broader understanding about the complexities of the world, right? A lot of people that get into policy or politics are are driven by, you know, a big belief or a big, you know, a, a big idea that they want to see in the world. And what you realize when you get, you know, a, a little further down is that there's a lot of shades of gray and the world is a big and complex place with a lot of moving parts and understanding better the the realities facing businesses and, and, and how they are motivated and what they're trying to uh, figure out and how some of them are working to be agents of change in the world is a really important perspective to take into account in the public policy process. That makes a
0: a lot of, a lot of sense. I I sometimes, when I talk with students about this, they'll say, you can speak to both groups of people. Now you understand Mm -hmm. the business perspective Mm -hmm. and you also understand the policy perspective. Um, and without an MBA, you might not have been equipped to participate in those conversations in the same way.
2: I think that's a great point, right? That, that um, you know, I worked at nonprofits for most of my career until relatively recently, that um, my understanding of the business world has grown incredibly in my time at Darden, just from you know, different perspectives, not only from my classmates, but you know, learning about financing. Uh, and and understanding the impacts of of, of that on a company and, and the different factors that have to weigh in on that. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a really um, eye opening experience for me.
0: Well, Carter, what what do you see as the value of an MBA for people who work in the political arena, work around policy?
1: I think that uh, we're first of all we're in a people business, um, and. I think that I can speak for people who live in and around the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, the first thing that they ask you when you walk into a room is, hey, uh, where do you work and where did you go to school? And let me tell you, now that I can tell people that I go to school at Darden, it, it, open pe- it opens people's eyes a little bit. The relationships that you get to build through this network are incredible and In the public policy arena, and especially in Virginia and in Washington, D.C., the name Darden carries so much weight. And I think John can attest as well. You know, when we walk around and say, where did you go to school or where are you going to school? We say, Darden, they say, what? That is a powerful, powerful, powerful tool in the public policy arena. And sometimes all you need is just that one thing, that one link between You know, I went to UVA too, or I went to Darden too, and you're in the door. Darden gives you that opportunity. It's a very valuable commodity.
0: So that's interesting on that relationship point or the credibility point. I actually have heard that from some of our entrepreneur students who (laughs) say, um, well, when I did this business and I was pitching people, I was just who I am. And, you know, I had my background. And all of a sudden, I started doing this as a Darden student, someone enrolled in the executive MBA program, and people's reaction, very different. Uh, The credibility that came with it, or just, perhaps it just carries a a gravitas with it that perhaps not being in a a program uh, like this one or this specific program, you you wouldn't have. Uh, I I thought it was a really interesting point. I had not considered that for some of our folks who are maybe pitching um, or approaching people uh, for things.
1: Yes, I mean... It's Darden for a reason, you know? It's on Poets and Quants. It's known around the world. So for a public policy, from a public policy perspective, someone in this arena, who you know and the kind of rooms they're in, what kind of businesses they're in, means the world. I would never be able to talk to a global head of an energy practice, but I can do that all the time, every single day. You know what that means for my business? You know that what that means for my relationships, I can build it's gold, gold. And you get that every day at Darden. I mean, that's just people in your cohort. It's unbelievable.
2: The other thing that being at Darden allows you to do is because you're a student that you can reach out to people just kind of randomly and say, Hey, I'm a student in business school. I'm interested in talking with you. Uh, I'd like to learn more about your company and what it does. And you'd be shocked at how many times people would say yes. And so, having that freedom to 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 kind of put yourself out there and have those conversations is a is a great way to expand your network. But it's also a great way to learn more about different people and how they got to where they're going. Well, Carter, I'm curious, what are you looking forward to in the in the coming months?
0: I mean, you got a you got a ways to go in the program, as noted. But there's a lot there's a lot that's happening.
1: Um, so, what are you excited about? Exploring more. I want more challenges, Brett. I want more challenges. And that's going to sound weird, but, you know, I got an MBA and I wanted to come to Darden to test my intellectual capability to the max. And I used to watch uh, Darden lectures on YouTube. This is how much of a nerd I am, even though I'm cool as a cucumber baby. I'm a nerd. I used to watch Darden lectures on YouTube and now I'm sitting in Darden lectures in real life. I, I, I can't tell you I'm living a dream every single day. So what am I looking forward to? Waking up tomorrow and reading cases, man. Living the dream that I I never thought was possible. Um, And also just spending really, really valuable time with the people I'm I'm in the cohort with. Um, I name them all if I could, but each and every person that I've uh, had a chance to interact with through this process has been amazing. And I can't wait to share the months, years ahead with them. It's gonna be incredible.
0: Well, John, you're you're on the downhill side of the program. You're in electives, graduation on the horizon. You can see it out there. You look for it, May
2: 2023, be here before you know it. What are you looking forward to? Well, Brett, I would never say I'm looking forward to graduation. Um, but what I will say is uh, in about a week, I'm going to be on an airplane flying to Finland for my global residency so uh, i'm really excited about that it's part of the world i've never been to before Uh, i'm going to be able to travel with some of my classmates to a very different environment than many of us have ever been in and i think it's going to be great i think we're going to learn a lot i think we're going to uh, possibly have some fun along the way and um you know it's going to be 55 degrees and raining the whole time but that's not going to keep me down well if
0: your group's trip is uh, to finland it's like any of the other darden student trips to finland I'm pretty sure you're going to have fun. And there's probably a sauna or two in your future. There's always a lot of (laughs) reflections on (laughs) this very common Finnish pastime. I had no idea, but Lottie Carr, who leads these trips, she spent 90 days in Finland, is a Finland fan. So you're in good hands. I'm ready. All right. Last question. We asked the same last question of all of our guests here, John. I'll let you kick things off as the elder statesman on this podcast. Um at least in terms of where you are i to be clear it's fine bread it's fine in, Brett, in terms, of, fine. Well, in terms <sighs> of the Darden uh, second year going to give you first uh first jump at this question so a <laughs> piece of advice that you would share uh with with our listeners something you would encourage them to think about so uh,
2: i would just say for everybody who's contemplating maybe going to darden or applying to darden um that you know the there was a lot of talk in our LR one about you know this is a transformative experience, and you know part of you is like well this is come on like of course they're going to say that right like you know this is a you know they we're spending a lot of money to be here you know, but it really is, and you're going to get out of it what you put into it, and so if you commit to like I'm going to listen and learn and grow while I'm here, like it, it's amazing. I mean I feel like I'm. Uh, uh, I think about the world in a, a very different way than I did before I enrolled at Darden. So um, I would say, you know, let yourself grow and be changed um, as an adult. Uh, it takes some courage to do, to do that, but um, it's, a, it's a great process. You'll learn a lot about yourself, uh, about your classmates and about, about the world.
0: All right, Carter, coming to you next, same question. A piece of advice, something for our listeners to consider as they think about next step on their MBA journey.
1: I hope that uh, everybody out there uh, had a great time, but for those who were like me listening to the executive NBA podcast, thinking that there's no possible way that they would be good enough to go to the university of Virginia. I say, believe in yourself. I'm talking directly to you, believe in yourself, believe in your ability, believe that you can do this and apply. I, I truly, truly tell you that if, I didn't have people like John Grant. If I didn't have people like Brett Twitty to encourage me to do it, I would have missed out on the most incredible experience of my life. Trust me, apply, believe in yourself. You can do it. And I can't wait to see you on grounds next year.
0: I don't know what else to say after that. So we will end there. That's a strong, strong close from, for Mr. Whitelow. So uh, John Carter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and John, Thank you for the suggestion. It was so much fun catching up with both of y'all and best of luck as well, John, as you you close out uh, the program over the next few quarters and Carter, as, as you work through the core curriculum
2: in your first year.
1: I'm looking forward to our collab, Brett. Thank you. And thank you, John.
2: Thanks so much, Brett. The moral of the story here is you should listen to me more and Carter, always awesome to hang with you. Yes, sir. And that was my interview with
0: John Grant and Carter Whitelow. To current students in our executive MBA program here at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We reach that exec, that's EXECMBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.